The AOP is brought to you today by GG Poker, the world's leading online poker room. What makes them the leading player? Well, they have more players than any other site. In fact, GG Poker holds the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament since September 2020. They put fun at the heart of it in every game and have unique features that you can't find on any other site. They offer games for all skill levels, whether you're new to poker or a seasoned pro with popular games like Texas Hold'em and Omaha to unique games like All In or Fold and Spin and Gold. So what's in it for you? New players that make a £10 deposit get £60 in free play. That is a £10 deposit to get £60 in free play. So go visit ggpoker.co.uk. New UK players only. Minimum deposit £10. Full T&Cs apply. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This is Peacock. I love it! It's streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals. It's The Office. That's what she said. Chrisley knows best. It's going to be Todd's Way or the Highway. And Peacock original shows like Punky Brewster. Holy mackinole. So whether you're in the mood for every live WWE pay-per-view or every episode of Law & Order SVU, Peacock's got you covered. Peacock. Watch for free. Upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Mirror mine, mirror mine You twist and turn my mind Until I don't know who I am Mirror mine Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. It's an on-the-whistle special. I'm here with Johnny. Johnny, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, pretty good. How you doing? I'm, um, I was just saying to you just a second ago, um, I feel like you watch a game at the moment and um, it's obviously always good. It's always good to um, root for your team and we got a win today, which was important, but it just doesn't really feel that uh, significant after the last fortnight that we've had. There have been much more um, seismic results and ultimately, yeah, it just feels a little bit anticlimactic, um, a lot of the games that we're going through at the moment and outside of really positive individual performances from a team perspective it just yeah feels like it's not as um not as weighty as the games that (laughs) uh, we've watched in recent times when it really felt like it was for all the marbles yeah it was um I've got to agree with you kind of come out of that game we've just beat Chelsea for the first time away from home since 2013 against the Thomas Tuchel that's taken Chelsea to the next level Champions League um, Champions League final beat Manchester City at the weekend and I've come away from it I'm just a bit like mm. would have been nice would have been nice to have um, 
that sort of fight against uh, Villarreal um, or when we were actually in the mixer for top four. But it is sadly for us, it's, it, is, it is a game that actually has something on it. There are a few things that um, are potentially important. The Europa Conference, which is, uh, sounds like a competition made in hell. Um, so yeah. that's sadly still in the mix. And uh, St. Totteringen's uh, St. Totteringen's day is also yeah. in there. We're now a single point behind Ryan Mason's blue and white <laughs> army. So, um, what, so what did you what did you make of? Uh, we've gone from shit house specialists last season. Then we tried that this season on fine margins, and it didn't work. Uh, then we've been trying to play a more expansive brand of football, and that kind of stopped working. And we've gone full circle, and that was um, that. That was a shit house for the ages. I mean, if it has something more on it, but it was, um, you know, w- what did you think of Arteta's approach today? Um, it, do you know what? It, it, again, like it's different. It, it, it's difficult, as you say, to even contextualise um, the the kind of positives out of the game outside of the result because. When we try to work out whether, you know, oh, Arteta's approach and has he stumbled across something that we can move forward, it's it's so bound to context when we try and um, extrapolate any judgments out of it. Because at the end of the day, we know that Arsenal just play a bit better when there's no pressure on them. This isn't anything new. This is what we've done for years. At the end of the day, we can look like, you know, peak Barcelona when all the competitions have gone out of our reach and suddenly everyone wants to show up. We're also a very good team in May and, you know, or, or, or June, if you ever get a fixture in that time, you know, it, it's, it's, we're a team that likes to play when the sun shines. There's, especially when there's not much um, pressure riding on it. All these players can start coming out. Some of them start playing for contracts. Um, and whether you can take that, result and try and morph it into you know a tactic or an approach moving forward when there are um, higher stakes on these games I'm not sure we can draw that comparison because one of the biggest issues that Arsenal have is they're a bottling squad we bottle it when when pressure um, rides on games there's so many and and, and it's it, it seems endemic within the squad and this is why when we talk about you know, a massive need for a mentality shift within the not only the playing squad, but almost from the top down in terms of the club. Because these mistakes, whilst in isolation, seem like almost at times bad luck or, oh, individual errors. When you group them together, you realise that it's actually, you know, there's an issue there. It's happening so regularly that these are not one-offs. And so, you know... I wouldn't be surprised if we win our next game and the game after that. That's that's just how Arsenal kind of roll with it. And um, obviously you mentioned the European competition that was designed by Beelzebub himself, uh, the Europa <laughs> Conference. Um, we don't want anything to do with that. I, Get me know, out. No, I'd, I mean, I don't think I'm a person who would cheer against Arsenal, but... Let's be realistic. If we're in the last game of the season and it's like win and you're in that, I I will be firmly rooting for us to lose that final game. Don't want any part of it. The only... And I, I, I don't think you can draw a huge 
positive on it because ultimately, as fans, we want to see ourselves win. But the only positive you might take away from being out of all of those European competitions, any of them, would be a real consolidated effort at the, at the Premier League next season. Um, and we've seen teams in the past get success, not not least Liverpool most recently, when they could have that clear run and Leicester uh, without any distractions. So without having that as a kind of drawaway, we would just be in the... It'd just be a clusterfuck of a season. It would be, you know, tripping over your own shoelaces and... Yeah, it, it, it would be it would be making bad, a bad situation even worse. I think so. We want to stay away from that, and if we can get St Totteringham's Day in whilst not hitting the Europa Conference, then let's do that. That's the aim. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to be in Europe next year. We've got no we've got no place in it next year, as far as I'm concerned. I was trying to imagine. What a worse, like how they could create a worse scenario than the Europa League group stages. And they found it. The, the, the Europa League conference doesn't even sound good. Like, like the, it's like the marketing team couldn't be bothered with it either. Uh, so, onto, onto some of the performances uh, out there today. I think one of the, one of the difficult things with Arteta is. You know, he's supposed to be a, a tactically flexible coach and, you know, he can set up in a whole bunch of different ways. But beating Chelsea is good, right? It's, it's always good. And beating Thomas Tuchel is also always good. But I'm trying to extract, what can you take from that game? You'd be like, okay, well, next season, this is what we'll do. Because we, we, we saw today, you know, like that was a fine margins game. Uh, we limited Chelsea's chances to five, um, which I think is 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 pretty pretty positive compared to you know where we could have been. I think Villarreal had um, seven sh- seven shots on target against us um, in the in the away leg. But uh, I'm trying to work out like you know is Arteta thinking that he can go back to that sort of style of football again? Because today could have easily been three goals the other way. We had we had at least two or three big errors in the system, which he doesn't appear to um, have any sort of control over. Um, there was uh, such like we've got the same lack of um, ability in the you know, transitioning into attack. Aubameyang skulking off. I mean, he had no service all game. Um, I, I'm trying to figure out which which of the threads that we can take into next season. Where, where do you think Arteta is going to? What's he going to do with this? I, I I honestly think that he's he's you know he looks like a man out of ideas in my opinion. Um, I don't think that whilst again we take away that positive result, um, and it was a positive result as you said. We don't beat Chelsea away or at Stamford Bridge like regularly. Certainly haven't certainly haven't in recent times. Um, so it's definitely a good result, and I do cherish it because Chelsea are such scumbags. That's why Absolutely. it means so much to us to, to just put them, you know, and if that can mess them up in any way, all the better. You know, I hope the spirit of John Terry is exercised from that dreadful stadium um, <laughs> after that result. But no, look, I don't think we play particularly well. <laughs> I really don't. I don't. We are a hard watch at the moment. We really are. It's, 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 it's just boring a lot of the time. But you know, I find myself um, more fixating on individual players that I'm excited by. 
hence Emil Smith Rowe, I thought was excellent today. Really, really good. And and you're just constantly looking to see. I was quite intrigued as to how Party was going to have a um well, dare I say, a bounce back performance after a bit of a sloppy run of play, um, run of form, I should say, in recent times. And I, I, I did think he um, certainly provided a net gain. I thought there was a couple of dodgy things with party today, but overall, I thought he played quite well against a Chelsea team that, you know, have got some quality midfielders in there. Um, but, you know, even our goal... Let's be realistic about things. It's not like we carved them open and in a swashbuckling move. It was a gross, <laughs> a gross error from Jorginho. Um, and, you know, one of the most int- interesting things about the whole game for me is about how the nature of the football rules are set up. So that, because what they were talking about on English commentary was the fact that if, because um, bearing in mind that Kepper obviously. Um, took a back pass from Jorginho, but then handled it on the line to save it, that save it off the line. So he's essentially committed a foul and it would have been um, penalised. But the issue is, is that was going in. That's a guaranteed goal. He's cleared it off the line. And then according to Sky Sports, um, Kirsty was talking about the fact that if the referee had blown, it would have been an indirect free kick from the end of the six-yard box and no cards. Um, I'm sorry, but what what kind of bogus rules is that? Like you're get, you're denying a guaranteed goal with a with a technically a foul, so that keeper should be sent off as far as I'm concerned. I, I don't really see how anything else can be set up. But I swear, in in um, on Sky Sports, they were saying there would be no card show. Don't understand that. But as I say, that that was one of the only things that got my mind racing throughout the game. In what was. Uh, a pretty pedestrian affair outside of that, bearing in mind that Chelsea obviously wanted to win, but they've clearly got you know bigger fish to fry, unlike Arsenal. They have a cup final coming up the weekend and, and they're still playing for the big one in the, Euro- in the Champions League final as well. So good to get a result, but in terms of what we can draw from, you know, what Arteta can draw and potentially implement further down the line... I'm not so sure um, outside of the fact that you're looking at someone like a Smith Rowe and being a bit more convinced that he can really plug in and play anywhere in that, you know, attacking free behind the striker line. He just looks excellent today. So versatile as well as dynamic. And yeah, he's just really starting to make that step up now from from being a you know, precocious talent that you know has got something to being a consistent performer at Premier League level, which is which is not a checkpoint to be you know sniffed at. It's it, it's um it should be recognised, and he is definitely easily one of our best players. He is, yeah. He's so exciting. What, what I love about him is he's got a he's he's got a big presence on the pitch. You can feel him everywhere. And it's it's really interesting how excited we all were about Martin Erdegaard. And the more I watch him, the more I feel he's like a, he's got a similar sort of personality to Meza Özil. You know, he he he. I don't think he was bad today, but yeah. he doesn't pick the game up by the scruff of the neck. And maybe that's unfair for someone that's only been here two months, coming into a bit of a a train wreck. But he's you compare the two and. I, if if I had the choice, I, I, it would be Smith Rowe 
every time. He feels like the sort of player that we want to be building our future around. Martin Erdegaard, if you know they're talking about fifty million for him, is it, it doesn't it doesn't look like it would be value for money right now. And I know he's only young, and maybe that's a bit knee jerk, but he hasn't really been he's really impressed. What did you think of uh, what do you think of uh, Erdegaard? Well, I think I said this um, on the last pod, like, uh, and it was actually a, a, a small bone of contention between us two when we talked about um, essentially assessing his physical attributes. And I, I think one of the issues with Erdegaard is his lack of athleticism, um, because technically, I think he is a very good player, he's tidy, um, but he isn't the quickest. And you can see that in these one-on-one duels with people. He, he's very catchable. Like, you know, with, with Smith Rowe, it is probably into about 1% of defenders, I reckon, in the Premier League, who if Smith Rowe got away from them, they'd be able to catch him. Most defenders, and we're talking like, you know, maybe a, a Kyle Walker or characters like that, that kind of pace, would be able to get back at him. He is not the absolute quickest in the league, but he is a very quick player. Odegaard just is not going to be able to run away from you. And you don't technically need that, but he's more of a, um, I don't know, you know, if he plays in the same team with a, a Xhaka, for instance, who also lacks that dynamism and athleticism, then you start to just by, you know, a process of accumulation, you get start to get a number of players who might all be good on the ball, but none of them can, you know, none of them would get more than 15 out of 20 on a, on a uh, you know, a overall pace score on a champ manager or something like that. And, and most of them would be a lot lower than that, Xhaka. And, you know, I, I think that broadly speaking, when we think about the kind of players that we need to be lining up at, we, we need to be building around pacey, strong, um, technically good, absolutely. We shouldn't be, you know, uh, um, uh, just withdrawing that necessity, but we should be building it around athletes as well as good technical players because um, I think that when we start getting those hard-to-break-down teams, we need to be able to have people who can provide an option on the break when teams want to press us high, but also someone who can dribble around someone. And Smith Rowe's shown that he can do that at times. And that's that's the difference when the game's not necessarily going our way, having individual playmakers, game changers. And I don't think Erdegaard necessarily has enough of what we need to justify a huge outlier. I think it would probably be in the tradition of some of our more recent deals where they look good when you do it and then you start to regret it over a period of time. So unless it was a bite-your-hand-off deal, I, I actually think we should pull out of that one. Doesn't, you know, all the rumours coming from Madrid where they're like, we're building our future around him. And you're like, are you, are you sure? <laughs> you sure about that? Uh, a player who has been problematic all season, uh, Pierre-Emerick uh, Aubameyang, uh, did not look very comfortable out on the pitch today uh, he intentionally made it known that he was very very unhappy walking off the pitch didn't put his training kit on looked like he'd just been given some really really bad news um about something um what what are we gonna do with Aubameyang because as far as I can see he's not a striker built for the system Arteta wants he doesn't have um enough physicality 
He's not. Uh, he's losing a bit of that explosive pace that he had, and he's and he's his all round game is not as good as Alex Lacazette's. But he's ours. Uh, uh, Urzel money. What do you think? What did you make of the stomp off? Um, you know, you're completely right. He he telegraphed it for all to see. And when players tend to do that, they well, they're obviously wanting their reactions to be seen. That's the nature of it, and they want it to be discussed, and they want it to. Um, you know, show that they're not happy. And and at a time when the manager's position, even if you're pro Arteta, is clearly weak. Everyone knows it's he's in a weakened position at the moment. Um, he's clearly um, presenting himself as an adversary to Arteta, certainly not trying to help him out. Because it's not like he got taken off in the fifth minute or... He got taken off before yeah. half time. You know what I mean? He, he had a run around, didn't you, mate? It's like, it, it wasn't a it wasn't a statement sub, was it? Exactly. It's like fresh legs, mate. But um, you know, and it's also not like you were on a hat trick. <laughs> yeah. Just, and we've just been given a penalty. Like it was a it was a quite a legitimate sub. It's not whether you agree that he needed to come off or not. It was certainly, like you say, it wasn't a statement one, but. Um, you know, we, one of the things we've mentioned before is about how players can sometimes, you know, pick their battles, if you if you will, with their manager based on how secure they think that manager is. And um, I think when you had Arteta winning the FA Cup last year, for instance, yes, everyone was happy, but also most of the big players are not going to necessarily challenge Arteta's authority because they'll know that they will lose. Whereas when you've got the club captain who's probably pissed off anyway um, and he sees the manager, you know, with at least half the fan base calling for him to go, um, the board in disarray, he's probably thinking, well, I'm not sure me and Arteta can coexist moving forward at Arsenal. And it may be, if I do want to stay, the only way that we can get this going is if the manager leaves and I play for the next guy here because... I think if Arteta keeps getting his way, then I don't know how Aubameyang's really fits. Aubameyang really fits into what we're trying to do. He starts becoming a bit obsolete in many of the systems that Arteta prefers. And so, considering how much of our resources are committed to him, if there was a way to get him off that wage bill, if Arteta is going to be moving forward, I think the club would have to consider it. But again... So much of this, when we talk about it, really comes down to what's going to happen with the manager, what's happening with the club ownership, and what's going on with some of the players who I think it was pretty much a Le Grove exclusive a few weeks ago when you were talking about um, Bernd Leno saying he wanted out. And that is now just becoming common knowledge. Like It's just plastered everywhere. He's quite clearly um, spoiling for a way out of the club. And I think there are probably a number of players now kind of lining up thinking either something changes or I'm going to want out myself. And I think, obviously, from our side, we want a number of those gone as well. So it's going to be interesting. Um, And I don't think it's a straightforward, this is what we should or are going to do if all the the pieces stay as they are. Because with Arteta, his position is kind of weakened anyway. And he needs, in his own mind, a radical new plan and a radical new direction, I think, to get the fans on board and the belief back in the squad. But if that doesn't come, it may be that a lot of the other players and kind of 
people are not necessarily supportive of Mikel at this stage. They're waiting for that change to come before they can think about how we move forward in the future. Yeah, it's quite um, the yeah. Just to just to hang off of those words, the Le Grove exclusive. It wasn't it wasn't just the Bert Leno bit. It was the keeping coach with, uh, uh, being problematic, which the Athletic ran with uh, today. So a little a little double whammy there. I think that that's. Um, I, I think you raised some really good points there. And the one about um, uh, like is is Aubameyang the sort that wants to see off a manager, or is he the sort that needs to be in a happy place? You know, I, I I I might be completely wrong on this, but Obama Ying looks like the sort of person that carries his work into his personal life. You know, he's that kind, that type of character. You know, like Meza Özil d- didn't care, like j- just didn't give a shit um, at all. And so it, I don't think the pressure really phased him. But you get the feeling that uh, like Obama Ying sitting in the stands, it's not fake. He's hurting, right? He's upset. And I, I thought the interesting um, the, the interesting story doing the rounds was that it's senior players that want out. And it sounds like the players that are really buying into the Artec project, the youngsters coming through. I mean, I've never read an article where I'm like, wow, all five of those players that want out of the club, I want out. I think it was Jacka, Luis, Leno, Hector Bellerin, and William. William wants out. Oh, you- no, cheeky fucker. Can Please. you imagine? We'll fucking, we'll get you an Uber, mate. We really will. We'll sort that out. That's on us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll crowdfund that fucker. Where where do you want it to go? Um, yeah, no, no, you're completely right. But I think that, that the nature of that is because um, whether it's ridiculous in the case of Willian with regards to his own contribution to our efforts this year or, you know, all of the other more senior players, as you mentioned, in general, I think what happens with these guys is they're all starting to move into a complete win-now mentality. They have to. You know, Obama, yeah, like Willie Ann, bit of a joke, granted. Um, and I think he should keep himself to himself after this horrendous year. But Obama Yang didn't sign that contract and just go, oh, well, I'll just cash out for the rest of, you know, my days. He'd sign that contract off the back off of being a FA Cup winning captain. Like, he was like, oh, OK, this, this feels good. First time he's stepping up to a podium, grabbing cups himself, you know what I mean? And, and he probably thought, well, listen, there's nothing to say we can't go and get some more of these. Whereas now, after this season, and not only the lack of success, but also the lack of um, cohesion from our team, the lack of uh, certainly consistency from a, a, a squad performance level. But it doesn't look fun to play for Arsenal right now. You, you talk about the young kids, I think they're having a laugh because they're just pleased to be there and they're pleased to have broken through. But when you've scored 30 goals a year for the last five years, this is not a good team to be playing in. It's pretty shit, you know. Um, and I think without the fans being in the stadium, there's not that kind of visceral um, fan engagement that will, that, you know, I think someone like Obama Young, who is so expressive and emotive, will absolutely feed off. That will be, you know, feeding into his enjoyment of football. And so I really don't think he would have enjoyed this year at all. Um, from a footballing point of view, and not least the off-the-field issues that he's faced. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was thinking, listen, when I signed this contract, I thought it was going to be my last big contract in football, but can I tear this up and get another one at a club who are going to be challenging for something in the next 
you know, couple of years because we ain't we're not challenging for anything next year. Not a, not a trophy. Not 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 based on anything we've seen so far, anyway. Um, and we'd do well to be able to turn around our form to be able to challenge for anything in the season coming after the next season, particularly if we do replace the manager during the middle of the season next year. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if certain players were looking for ways out. And obviously, from our point of view, it wouldn't look like bad business with some of these, as long as we could get respectable fees. Because, as you said, it does look like the central figures of our squad are becoming younger and younger. And that, in many respects, is not a bad thing. It's no, just that's a great we've thing. got right, the right coach and the right setup to you know really plod on for the next five or so years. And he's got a you know this is the thing with the Arteta system. It needs good players, and there are there are problems. You know if if you've got uh, if your defenders are being told to play at the back and they don't have the ability to play at the back, then your system is broken. Yeah, and. You know, Gabriel had like 95% pass completion at the start of the season. He was a car crash in the first half today. And that's becoming a regular occurrence. Rob Holding is not great with the ball at his feet. Um, our uh, ability to transition into attack um, is severely weakened, like partly down to pace, partly down to not having the right mix of players. And it's like the the the, the, the dice that Arteta's got to roll this summer to get it right. It, I, I, it's such a big risk. It's going to be such a big risk. And I, I honestly can't see, even if he had 200 million, how he'd get enough players in and settled to not have a difficult opening three months of the season, which could potentially end his career. It's yeah. like there's there's just so much wrestling this summer, who goes in and out. But I think a good start this summer would be to move out those players that are 28, um, 28 plus, that maybe want to win a trophy somewhere else, that maybe don't want to be part of a long haul uh, a, a long haul overhaul sort of thing. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So uh, today, today felt like um, t- today felt like a step forward in the sense that you know beating top four teams is always great, but it also felt like a step back because we're we're back to the the football that he was playing when he first came into the club and he was just trying to steady the shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, again, I don't think to be honest, I'll. I'll give him the respect of not drawing huge conclusions either way, you know, either positives or negatives. At the end of the day, it was a good result that we can savour and then, and that's all it was. Um, I don't think it was a particularly good performance, but it was nice to see a bit of guts, but it just feels like, <clears throat> for me, for me, it's all, it's all, you know, it's all, it needs, it needs all um, a complete overhaul and from top to bottom. And it's hard to, it's nice to pick up results along the way, but I don't think outside of making personnel changes, including at manager, we're going to um, kind of kick on and get get ourselves closer to where we need to be. Um, I just think it's kind of kicking the can down the road if we don't make those big calls. Um, you know, it, again, it got brought up to me. I, I think we said it last time as well, but um, about this notion that Arteta is going to be swinging the axe and being a lot more ruthless when in reality um, he wouldn't he wouldn't survive anyone being ruthless in that way who was above his pay grade because he should be gone he should he, he's earned he's earned the sack so you know it's um, 
For me, even when you were kind of laying out that scenario about two hundred million pound and you know him trying to bed in that new system, and it just smacks of Frank Lampard's second year, um, and you know maybe even getting off to a decent start. Oh, right, Frank's really cracked the formula, and then just a wibble wobble a couple of months later, and before you know it, he'd get sacked because you could easily see this team. I don't see how you could generate enough team morale and camaraderie and respect for the manager in such a short period of time so that in order to make us robust enough to survive a bad result or two and not let that be a complete season ender and and because he can't do that I just think it's inevitable where this ends up well uh I will. We can. We can sort of head into a positive. Have you seen the tweet? I know. I know that you love it when I create uh, tables that prop up my arguments um, that have no <laughs> bearing on reality. Premier League points since Christmas, the last time that we played Chelsea. Uh, Manchester City, fifty-seven. <laughs> Outrageous. Manchester United, forty-four. Arsenal, forty-one. Third most points since Christmas. Can you believe that? That's got to be wrong. Is that right? It, it, uh, yeah. Well, we were doing well before, weren't we? And then we went on that little bit of a slump. So, And then we've skanked a few results lately. So, it, you know, I, I, that, did fit, that does feel um, that kind feels of better weird. than what I would... Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have expected to have been third. But I'm not surprised that we're quite high up because we were high up. But... Again, for me, drawing that arbitrary line at Christmas, taking it up from where Arteta wants it, it doesn't kind of really count for me. In terms of when we talk about positives, um, one thing that I saw today was um, young Aziz scoring an absolute world-class goal uh, from the under-23s, I think. It's just absolutely obscene, um, including a maze-up, Diego, Diego Mazadona, from the halfway line, nutmeg, and then a finish into the bottom corner looks absolutely... Because I'll be honest with everyone, like, when we talk about Aziz and stuff, I'm not one of these guys who watches the under-23s religiously. I, I watch highlights and I listen to what people say. And some people say he's ready to go, let's give him a go. And when I'm seeing highlights like that, I'm chomping at the, little, the bit a little bit more, especially in these dead rubber games. Throw him in there, give him some game time, let's see what he's about. But, you know... He certainly couldn't do anything to um, anything more to prove his case playing at the level he's been played at than do things like that because that looked like he was a different gravy to the rest of the people he was playing against. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited, uh, the batch of kids that are coming through. And I really, really do hope that they cycle through a whole bunch of players this summer. It would be nice to go into next season and be... You remember when Wenger came in and he, he signed like 14 players? And it was like, mm. whoa, this is, this is mad. And he did it again in like 2000. But we need a summer like that. Just rip out all of the people that don't want to be there. Go with a young, vibrant team that everyone's excited about. And then, you know, if we can, if we can match second half of the season points totals next season and we're up around 80 points for the season next year, then we will be in top four contention. But it's um, it's such a it's it's such a such a big if it's such a big if. But at the, at the very least, I hope that whatever Edu does this summer is about the next five years, not about saving Arteta's career. 
like no short term ideas this summer. Like get get players in that we can coach, that we can build. So if the worst happens, you bring in another possession based manager that wants to play that style and it isn't so painful to the system every time we come in and we have to spend 150 million and three windows to get to where we need to get to. I'm hoping that the next manager, if Arteta goes, if we bring in someone with a lot of experience, I hope it's like a Tuchel-like character and then they can just pick up where there are some good bits, add the experience where there's not and then move us forward because I think I, I think if we have a good summer, we've got a top four squad. We're not a million miles away um, from those above us in the league. Most of our problems come from the games Wenger used to win easily against the bottom teams. It's the, it's the big teams that seem to be a little bit easier. So it's going to be a, going to be an interesting few weeks, but certainly not going to be an interesting end to the season because that that Europa conference would be everything I feel like we deserve this year. That would be the true punishment. Yeah. Um, Johnny, thank you uh, for joining late at night. Um, do you want to tell us uh, where we can hear more of you doing other things outside football? As always, I'll do a quick plug for my um, fatherhood podcast, although it's the last um, episode of the series coming up on this Sunday. So, um, yeah, uh, check out the Hamshire Father podcast, a, f- a podcast all about fatherhood. Um, next week, I've got none other than Parental podcast royalty coming on the uh, podcast with the scummy mummies. They're talking about, um, yeah, lots of different things, uh, how their partners uh, take on the roles of being dads. And, and they're just really, really funny, quite frankly. It's a great little interview. So um, do check it out. Comes out Sunday at 9 p.m. That's the How's Your Father podcast. Awesome. Um, thank you for joining the podcast again. Um, are we back this weekend? Is there a thing this weekend? Arsenal aren't playing this weekend. No weekend. No game this weekend. All right. Well, and we'll, uh... I am going on holiday to sunny Cornwall. Yeah. Ooh, lovely. Yeah. That'd be nice to get out of the house though, wouldn't it? It will. It will feel like Barbados, let's be realistic, <laughs> after a year indoors. But it's 13 degrees. We'll take what we can get. We'll take what we can get. Awesome. Well, um, we'll look forward to welcoming you back soon. If you listen to the podcast, you know the drill. Give it a five-star rating. Share with your friends. And, uh, and come and join us next week. Uh, ciao for now. Streaming on Peacock. It's the girls' trip of a lifetime. Look at this water. We're going to give them something to talk about. Seven iconic housewives from four different cities. Oh, my God, this thing right. Vacation at Turks and Caicos. It's the party now. And there's no party like a housewives party. I don't give a f- Find out what happens when the forecast brings sunshine and a whole lot of shade. You are so self-absorbed, it's crazy. The Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. All episodes streaming now, only on Peacock. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.